welcome everybody to another uh, episode of Expert Q and A uh, here on up and to the right. So I want to introduce uh, Graham Collins. He's the head of growth at Quota Path. Uh, we're going to be talking about comp plans today, something Graham knows a ton about. So, Graham, real quick, uh, give people uh, an introduction to you and Quota Path. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, QuotaPath is a commission tracking and, and quota attainment tracking tool um, that is used. It's freemium, so anybody can get started on it, but brands use it to, or software companies, really anybody who has a sales team can use it to track how much commission needs to be paid out, and reps can see uh, that transparency as well, um, which mm -hmm. we'll talk about, I'm sure, is rep transparency in commissions. Um, and my background, I... Um, head of growth, I, I tell people I do a job until we hire somebody who's better at it than me, and then I, I get fired and, and move on to the next job. Um, before Good. this, I ran sales teams and and uh, most recently ran about a 45-person SDR team. Cool. Okay. Well, I always like in these conversations to just get back to basics a little bit. We have a lot of folks who, you know, listen to these conversations at different, you know, levels in their career and kind of levels of experience. So um, starting to talk about comp plans, you know, what are the basics? What are the fundamental things you need to consider when you're building out comp plans? Yeah, for sure. So each different company tier, each different business has different components to your different comp plans. Um, with that said, I always say that there are four elements of well-designed comp plans. Um, they're easy to understand. So they have like two or three components. We call those paths at Quota Path. Um, that can be explained pretty quickly and easily. Um, any more than that, you end up being way too complex. You can do fewer if you need to, but um, yeah, I like to see a couple of different ways that people can get paid. Um, built logically, so the idea being that the the tiers make sense, the accelerators make sense, the bonuses make sense. It just makes it should make sense to everyone involved, and it should, you should be able to explain it really easily. Um, it's motivating to the rep. So if the rep feels like the quota is attainable or they understand that, you know, if I get to this certain point, I'll get paid higher. Um, and that's motivating to them, not demotivating to them. Um, and then finally it achieves company goals. So it, if you are designing a comp plan, trying to increase, um, the average length of your contract, then paying people more based on the number of months in the contract or if you're just looking to acquire new logos then paying people based on the number of new logos that they sign um so those are the the kind of the basic elements of a design comp plan right. for me i've always thought as i've looked at comp plans that um they're both really simple um but also fairly they can be fairly complex and what i mean by that is is when you design incentives into your comp plans people respond to those incentives, assuming that you hit kind of those, those first two things that you mentioned, which is that you, that they're understandable and people kind of get where they're, where they're going. Um, but at the same time, if you, if you get those incentives wrong a little bit, you can get into that demotivating kind of area. Right. And so, you know, one of the things I've seen is, um, and I've made this mistake myself in, in the past is, um, you know, especially if you're early stage and you don't know, you don't know a ton about your sales cycle and your sales process and exactly what your ASP is going to be. You kind of take a swag at a number and then it turns out that it's like, it's off. Right. And it's hard to hit. So how do you, how do you find that balance between, um, you know, setting a goal that is a, a stretch goal that gets people motivated, but not setting it so far that uh, people feel like it's unattainable. Yeah, for sure. So, there are different 
different thoughts about where what your quota should be um, and how many people should hit quota. I always say that the general rule of thumb, specifically when talking about SaaS sales, um, is a 5x on target earnings to quota multiplier. So what I mean by that is if you have a, uh, and I'm just going to use round numbers here. If you have a $100,000, you pay somebody $100,000 a year on target and on target earnings, meaning if they hit exactly their quota, how much they would earn. Um, if you have $100,000, it should be split 50-50. So $50,000 base, $50,000 on target commission. Um, and then that should be multiplied by five. So $500,000 um, uh, quota annualized. Right. So then if you want to quarterly, you're looking at 125 or monthly, it'd be smaller than that. Um, That's a good starting point. With that said, a lot of people who are at that level, like uh, see their numbers, like especially early people see that and they're like, well, wait a minute. No, no, we're at substantially lower than that. We're at 3X or we're at at, um, 4X. Is that that bad? And um, I have a whole slew of data that I can share with you. I think I may have already shared it with you guys um, that shows that as your revenue increases, that number, that multiplier will increase. And so, you know, in the zero to $1 million ARR range, that might only be 3.5 X. So it's not the end of the world, but um, there's also a lot of, of differing opinions around what percent of your sales team should hit quota. Mm I am of the opinion that somewhere between 70 and 80% of your sales team should be hitting quota. month after month or quarter after quarter. And so running an analysis with with those two things in mind and trying to balance the two of them, if you have historical sales data, so you can say, all right, you know, this is the quota because it's a 4X multiplier and that it would have been 70% of our, our reps hitting that quota. Right, okay. Yeah, I think the, um, how many people hit quota is a really interesting question because I've certainly seen you know, comp plans that sort of seem to be designed so that everybody hits quota, which doesn't seem to be super successful. But then you also get into that sort of, uh, you know, uncanny, like demotivating valley, right? Where you, uh, if, you know, less than half the team is hitting quota, then people start to question it. So um, I think that uh, 70 to 80 or 75 to 80%, was that the the sweet spot that you're thinking? 70 to 80, yeah. Um, that, that Some people say 70, some people say 80. They're I'm sure there are people who say 100 and I'm sure there are people who say right. 50, but sure. I, I tend to, to be in that 70 to 80% range. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've talked about some of the mechanics that generally apply to comp plans. Um, you mentioned company stage as something that, that tends to cause comp plans to vary a bit. Um, but what about uh, roles, right? So I think, you know, comp plans change. Obviously you're incenting different behaviors for BDRs or AEs or AMs, or even, um, you know, we can talk a little bit about whether or not success oriented roles should have, you know, quotas attached to them. Um, talk a little bit about that. Like what are the things you should be thinking about as you design comp plans for different roles within the revenue organization? Yeah. For sure. I could talk for <clears throat> two hours around how to build BDR comp plans. Okay, and I use sorry. the terms BDR, SDR, MDR kind of into uh, like in uh, it interchangeably. It's all means the same. Yeah. Interchangeably. Yeah. Thank there you. you That's what I was looking for. <laughs> um, and so I, I use all of those to mean this thing. Um, but when it comes to SDR comp plans, um, there are two, I say that there are two pure ways of creating a mm-hmm. comp plan. You can pay somebody based on the number of cold calls they make, mm-hmm. or you can pay them based on the amount of revenue that they've generated to the organization, um, for the organization. And right. the reason being, 
you have a, a kind of a supply and demand curve of the amount of inherent benefit to the organization and the amount of control that the SDR has over their, their compensation. So okay. if it's a, you compensate them entirely on the number of cold calls, then they have a ton of control over it, but there's no real inherent benefit to the organization. Whereas on the other side, they don't have as nearly as much control over it, but there's a ton of inherent benefit to the organization. And so okay. trying to find kind of a, and, and I'm not saying that those are the two, only two ways of paying. In fact, I don't think either of them are necessarily the great, the best way of paying. Um, but what you're trying to find is a sweet spot in there where the BDR, SDR feels like they have a lot of control, but there's also inherent benefit to the organization. Um, and so a lot of people end up using qualified opportunities or SQLs. Right. Well, I mean that, um, I like the idea of those two curves kind of intersecting. And, and I think the, that fundamental idea of what you control as a rep versus what is, you know, of direct value to the organization does get interesting as you get into these roles, which are not directly revenue generating, but either like, but supportive of revenue generation, like SDRs or like maybe success roles um, or, you know, sales engineers even, or things like that, right? So um, it does feel like it might get a little bit easier as you, um, you look at AEs and AMs, which are, you know, they're responsible for, a book of business, right? So, um, you know, are there any things to to really be thinking about there that uh, we haven't already discussed when you when you think about um, maybe AEs that have sort of different tiers, you know, at different levels in, in their career when they're ramping? Like, how how should you think about that? Yeah, for sure. So, I'm a big proponent of transparency, and I will talk a little bit about transparency. Um, a big proponent of the the transparency um, in comp plans and that and the the logical nature of it and so i, I like accelerators and decelerators mm -hmm. um i think that those are are valuable because it can encourage over attainment and it doesn't um it, you kind of hedge your your bets when it comes to under attainment you know if somebody right. under attains they're at 50 they probably shouldn't be getting paid 50 percent of the amount of uh, of commission that they would be getting because mm -hmm. that's an unacceptable level um I'm not a big fan of cliffs when it mm -hmm. comes to um, AE attainment or AE payout, at least. Mm -hmm. cliff, a cliff being you don't earn anything until you hit 60% and then right. you start earning. Um, right. Those I find to be incredibly demotivating and encourage sandbagging and mm -hmm. just are, are just a, a very poor structure. I, I see them on occasion within um, account manager plans. Mm -hmm. um, you have, you know, look, you need to get to 70% retention um if you're not at 70 percent retention then like you know you're, you're just, doing you're not doing your job wrong. right yeah. right exactly you're doing something very wrong you're almost yeah. hurting the organization and and you know putting that cliff at, at a reasonable amount like you know whatever your natural renewal rate might be you know if mm -hmm. you don't touch these people they might renew at 50 percent or right. something um but the other thing is when it, when you look at um promotions you end up having if you follow the the 5x uh, OTE to quota mm -hmm. ratio and the 50-50 base and bonus structure, you end up with a 10% commission rate. Mm -hmm. um, and as you increase your, you know, as, as you move up the ranks, theoretically, they both should stay the same, mm -hmm. uh, the 5x and the 50-50. And so therefore, it's going to maintain 10%. Um, so a lot of people kind of struggle with that, where it's like, this person is you know, has a higher quota, but they're getting paid the same amount on each of these deals. Well, that might be the case, right. but that likely comes with additional BDR support or a, additional um, 
you know, a, a better accounts, um, you know, mm -hmm. better territory, what have you, um, and an increase in your base salary, uh, a substantial it. increase in base salary. Okay, well, you said the magic word. You said territory, which is something I've been uh, uh, I've been interested in a lot lately. And so, I, you know, I want to talk about um, how comp plans intersect with territories. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned the idea of Generally speaking, right, we try to give our more senior reps, the ones who are more experienced, more capable of, you know, realizing value, we try to give them the better accounts in many cases, right, because we, we they can extract more value from, from those accounts than, than a junior person could. Um, you know, one of the ways that gets done uh, in, in sales organizations, which I happen to think is, is somewhat flawed, is, um, you know, by defining you know, geographic territories where there's, uh, you know, some place in San Francisco, you get that territory and that's super rich. And then you have some place in the middle of nowhere or a set of zip codes in the middle of nowhere. And you, uh, you got to go out and, you know, pick up whatever you can off the ground. Right. And so, um, sometimes that leads to, it seems to me anyway, that leads to some, you know, uh, challenges designing comp plans because clearly some territories are, are vastly better than others. So I'm curious about what you've seen and what you recommend that if you are using geographic territories for some reason, um, then what, uh, you know, what are the right ways to design your comp plans in that case? Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I'm also anti-geographic territory. So don't you're among friends here. I, I live in Maine and uh, there aren't very many publicly traded companies in Maine. So if my territory was Maine publicly right. traded companies versus California, it's uh, pretty different. So um, yeah, you're absolutely right that, that it's, it's almost impossible to create a perfectly structured geographic territory when it comes mm -hmm. to, you know, these are the, you know, the, trying to, to evenly distribute the opportunities, distribute the, the companies, what have you. Mm -hmm. I remember when I worked at, at NASDAQ, I think my prop, my, my territory was like, certain zip codes in New York, but only A through L and <laughs> certain areas of Virginia and like, right. you're absolutely right. They're, they're right. very difficult to, to create evenly. Mm -hmm. So, um, but this applies to pretty much any form of territory management, sure. um, you know, whether it's alphabetical or by area or by industry or what, what have you. Um, I wrote a blog post about like, you know, the most common ways of putting territories together mm -hmm. um, fairly recently. But um, when it comes to, to building comp plans for those, they can, they can get a little bit hairy because, right. you know, do, do, is your quota commensurate with your territory opportunity or does everybody have the same territory or same, same quota and thereby mm -hmm. same commission plan? I mean, ideally that's the case if right. you feel like your territories are perfectly built, but they're not, they're not right. going to be perfectly built. Um, even yeah. if you, you know, even if we all have the same number of accounts, um, you know, if I'm selling to software companies again, and, and sure, I have nine, uh, all of the software companies in those, and it's the same number of publicly traded companies in San Francisco, mm -hmm. you know, those are, those are going to be software companies in San Francisco, sure. and they're going to be more likely to buy, and they're going to be venture funded. And so right. there, there is a real issue with that. When it comes to building a a quota around that, mm -hmm. I would say try to keep quotas as as uniform as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and so therefore try to keep your, your territories as uniform as possible. If you can't, um, try to create some sort of, of 
evening situation. So where like you get a, you earn a higher commission rate for selling to certain um, industries or you, you get a certain amount of quota retirement because your territory was smaller or something to that effect. But trying to create as uniform a, a comp plan as possible is, is important. And honestly, this comes up also with account management where my portfolio is gonna be different from your portfolio. And right. so therefore, you know, as much as we try to even them out, they're not gonna necessarily be even out. Right, and I think the, you know, I, I think the fairness question is obviously super important here, right? If, uh, you know, going back to demotivating, I think one thing that's super demotivating for reps is they feel like if, if they feel like, you know, the situation is unfair if they're being treated unfairly or, you know, rep A has more opportunity than rep B for whatever reason. Um, so, you know, you mentioned at the top of this when you were talking about, you know, all the, the, the things that go into comp plan design. The last one you mentioned was, um, you know, delivering the, the value that the company is looking for, right? I mean, I think, and uh, let's, let's be real, that's kind of like number one in theory, right? You should be, uh, the, the reason companies design comp plans is because they're trying to build something that they think is gonna generate the amount of revenue that they're trying to achieve, right? And so that's kind of, in some ways that's job number one, even though we, you know, we like to talk about it as uh, a, uh, you know, more about quality of opportunity and fairness, but how do you balance that? Like with the reality that if you're in a sale, you know, you're a sales leader, your job is to deliver right with the sense of you know we do need to distribute opportunity fairly so that sales that you know the sellers can at least have uh they, they've got a meritocracy by and large where they've got the opportunity and it's for them to to go out and and you know win the deal so how do you think about that if you're a sales leader how do you think about balancing those two forces yeah so I do a lot of comp plan consult calls with folks, um, and and that's one of the major questions that I ask them is, what do you what do you want to accomplish with this with this comp plan? Mm-hmm. And people always you know kind of look at me funny, and they're like, well, I want to you know make sure my, my reps are paid correctly. And I say, okay, well, what, what do you what what is the end result for the company? And everybody right. is always like, revenue, Duh, obviously, you idiot. Right. Um, <laughs> and and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's great, but there are a lot of different ways of of revenue, so. Mm-hmm. Is it you want to get recurring revenue? Is it that you want to get um, quick revenue or you want to have long-term contracts? Do you want to establish revenue in a certain market segment? Do you want to establish revenue with, within a certain area? You know, I mean, maybe geographically, it's, it's you know, your retention rate is better in the US than it is in Canada or sure. what have you. Um, are you. Are you hoping to find... So, there are a ton of different ways that you can think about revenue. And that's really where you need to, to do a consideration of when building your comp plans. Um, in a survey that I ran, only about 25% of comp plans pay differently based on the length of the contract signed. Um, but that's a, that's a really important thing for a lot of organizations. Um, a company that I used to work for that will remain nameless had a real churn issue. Um, and if you can sign a two or a three-year contract, then you, you know, and it sounds bad to say lock in, but you lock in that revenue and you, you sure. give the customer a longer period of time to see value behind what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, 
incentivizing longer term contracts is really valuable for for a lot of organizations. And so when when building those comp plans, keep in mind, like, am I going to pay my reps the same for closing a six month deal as I am for an 18 month deal? If it's the same ARR, um, that doesn't make a ton of sense for us because we're guaranteeing a lot more money. Does that answer the question? Yeah, I think it, you know, it does. Um, but it brings up another question, which is, you know, the, uh, I, <laughs> I do imagine you get that. Well, yeah, revenue dummy, right? Like that's what people say. Right. But the, in, you know, but you're absolutely right that there's, there's good revenue, there's bad revenue, there's strategic revenue, you know, those kinds of things. Um, one of the challenges with that is uh, as you try to kind of guide your reps down a path. I feel like I've certainly seen comp plans develop a lot of, um, you know, a lot of knobs and switches and levers and things as you kind of like layer these, these different uh, initiatives. And, and let's be honest, um, what you want from your revenue quarter to quarter, especially if you're high growth uh, changes, right? Or you, you might change strategically uh, in terms of what you're looking for. So, um, you know, how do you, after a year or so of, of developing, you know, accelerators and rules and, you know, we're going to decelerate this and change, you know, and, and, you know, spiff on this, whatever. How do you kind of come back and say, okay, hold on, we're going to, we're going to reset a little bit and make sure that you don't get too far into complexity. Yeah. I mean, I always have, when I sit down with, with somebody who has 10 different components to their comp plans. Mm-hmm. I try to strip it down to just the most basic, like, okay, let's say if we're building your comp plan from right now, blank, blank slate, mm-hmm. what percent commission do your reps get on every single deal they close? Mm-hmm. And then it comes with like, a, oh, well, but we need, no, 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 just, just, you can only pay your reps one percentage. What right. is it? Okay. It's 10%. All right. So now we can start adding in complexity and seeing, is this really necessary? Oftentimes people will add in these things that are like, oh, we want to make sure that if somebody closes a million dollar deal, we're not paying 10% of that. We need to be, so anything over this amount gets a decent, and it's like, how often does that happen? Oh, it's not happened yet, but we're really worried about it happening. It's gonna, it's totally gonna, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, if you close a million dollar deal, you better pay me 10% on that. That's awesome. Like right. never, never worry about overpaying a rep based mm-hmm. on the comp plan you've built. Just cut them right. a check. Right. I've, I've had situations where I had a check where they were like, Ooh, we didn't think you were going to close $250,000 deal. And so mm-hmm. we're going to try to, and I was like, you know, I was not, a, not happy about that. Um, and so the, um, when, when building that comp plan, that's when you can then add in complexities. Okay, so it's 10%, unless it's professional services. All right, so your mm-hmm. professional services get paid at a different rate. Do mm-hmm. those need to be accelerated? Probably not. Let's pay that at a flat rate. And so right. now we have these like, okay, we get 10% on so- software, 5% on professional services because there's a lower margin on those. And then you say, okay, 10%, do we want to just do a flat 10% or do we want to do accelerators? Is it mm-hmm. based on quota, attainment quarterly or monthly? And so building it from scratch and trying to just really like strip away as much as you can and then add in um, is a better way to go about it than taking your comp plan now with the 15 components and trying to say like, okay, we can take this one out and we can change this one. We can take this one out. Better to just start from scratch. So just sort of come at it from first principles, make sure you understand what, uh, you know, what you're really trying to drive and then, and then layer that on from there. And this brings up a, a question overall, which is just about um, uh, 
you know, about change, right? So comp plans change. Um, one of the quickest ways it seems like to, you know, decimate a sales team is to roll out a comp plan that people hate, right? Uh, so it's, it can be dicey. I've done it. Right? I've done it. <laughs> right. I, I did. Okay. So, yeah. I, I, I had a team of about 40 reps. I, when I was running an SDR team, I ran out, of, I rolled out a terrible comp plan and it went down to 14 reps within six months. So okay. I've been there. <laughs> All right. So, well, what, uh, I, without going into too much detail, I mean, what were the lessons learned from that? Uh, how, what would you recommend to people to uh, not do so they don't nuke their team like you did? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So again, I, I think that it, it comes back to simplicity um, or, you know, simplicity maybe has some negative connotation, like lack of complexity, lack of, of unnecessary complexity. Um, I won't get into the specifics of the comp plan that I rolled out, but it was very complex and unnecessarily complex. Um, I thought it made sense. I tried explaining it to a few people mm -hmm. and they were like, I don't really get this, but okay, I trust you because you know the business line the best. Mm -hmm. When rolling out a new comp plan, and I recommend trying to do a new comp plan if you're going to uh, at the beginning of, of the year or you know at the beginning at, at a logical time um, okay. and no more than once a year. I ended up having to rip out the comp that I did after about six months because of you know, all of the issues um but it was it was overly complex so when, when rolling out a new comp plan explain it to somebody who you know explain it to someone on your team hey this is what i'm right. contemplating what do you think try to find a, a somebody who knows the business and then try to explain it to somebody who doesn't know the business right. um i my poor wife has had me had to listen to me explain comp plans to her so many times right. and you know, if she, she, she doesn't work in sales, if she can understand it, I'm like, okay, cool. We're off to a good start here. Right. Um, and, and clearly defined as well. I, another issue that I've had is like, you know, the, we're going to pay out 5% on upsells. Well, what are upsells? Are upsells, mm -hmm. you know, if the client's only been a client for 30 days, does that count as an upsell? Um, right. When does it count as an upsell versus a renewal versus a, um, a new business opportunity. So trying to just make sure that you have all of your bases covered, you understand the comp plan inside and out, and it is logical before trying to roll it out to a team is very important. One of the things I've certainly found in these cases is that going back to transparency, right? Is if it, it, you were talking about professional services, maybe we don't pay out an accelerator on that. It certainly helps if you can provide, you know, a rationale for the why. why. Why are these rules this way, right? So you can say, well, professional services, the margins on professional services suck, right? Like we can't afford to pay out, you know, accelerators, right? You know, so um, whether or not people, you know, like that or are super thrilled with it or whether or not they'll go out and sell your professional services um, is a whole other question, but they at least understand the, the rationale behind it. So I, I think I've always found that it's, you know, it's effective to be able to um, at least have a good justification and the justification can't be like on your million dollar example well we just don't want to pay you right yeah so um yeah and the same thing can go for like a quota increase hey you we're doubling your quota mm -hmm. if you just said we're doubling your quota good luck um right. don't do that if you <laughs> rolled out products and you're doing additional sales training and you're hiring a bdr team and you're doing all of these efforts fine you can you can double the quota Right. Um, because I have all of these other ways of selling, but just doubling the quota because, hey, we need more sales is not, not the right. Right. Way. 
Yeah, I mean, if you can justify it and say, hey, I'm investing in you, you're going to have this support. Now, uh, the expectation is that that investment is going to is going to pay off and that you're going to be able to do more and you'll make more money, we'll make more money, etc. Right. So um, I want to touch on one, uh, one other aspect uh, of this, which um, you brought up in a conversation recently, which I thought was was super interesting is, you know, going back to some of the conversations around um, fairness and complexity and all of that. Uh, you know, I want to talk about how comp plans can impact, you know, diversity, equality, inclusion, sort of the, the ways that we think about, um, you know, general um, equity in the workplace because you know sales is an interesting part of the organization where you know most other parts of the organization people get a salary they it's kind of set in stone you've got clear you know if somebody's doing the same job as somebody else and they're getting paid you know 60 percent you've got a clear like discriminatory issue there you know whatever but with sales you know theoretically um, people have their comp plans and it's a meritocracy and they're going to just go out and do their thing, right? But um, there's a lot of, I'm guessing, sort of insidious, you know, uh, potential components to that because there is managerial discretion at times. There's things like that. So how should uh, an organization that's, that's committed, you know, to those values try to make sure that, um, that their comp plans reflect those? Yeah, for sure. So uh, to put it bluntly, if you if you don't have standardized comp plans, mm-hmm. um, on average, you're likely underpaying the women on your sales team and the people of color on your sales team. Mm-hmm. If you can go in and say, oh, well, you know, Graham has a, a different comp plan because he negotiated a higher base salary. Um, it's likely that I'm getting paid more than the, the woman sitting next to me selling the exact same stuff. Um, I've seen some pretty egregious instances of this as, as I've been going through my, um, comp plan console where one person is getting paid 25% commission on a deal. And one person is getting paid 12% commission on a deal. And I say, wait, what, what, why is this? And they say, oh, you know, Jimmy negotiated a, a higher base salary or, and you know, so therefore we have to pay a higher, you know, on target earnings or what have you. Um, and so standardizing your comp plans, providing eliminates that. I, when I joined my last organization, a company called Trendkite, I had, I was the second sales hire and they offered me, this is the amount of money that you're going to make as a base. This is the amount of money that you're going to make as, as commission. This is your on target earnings, second sales hire. And I was like trying to negotiate. And they're like, no, we don't negotiate. Mm-hmm. This is the plan. This right. is it. What everybody gets, everybody is going to get as you and, and these are the three or four targets you need to hit in order to get a promotion. And they're specific and they're defined and they aren't, you know, be a good employee or be a culture fit. Um, they are sell a million dollars and have an on or have a uh, demo to close ratio of 10 to one. Um, and once you hit those, you can move up in the, you can, you, you can start earning more. But if you don't have that, if you allow people to negotiate, if you have, um, you know, kind of sweetheart deals or unicorn plans or um, instances where, where the manager determines who gets a promotion, who gets a better territory and, and who has all these other things. Not saying any of your, anybody watching this is doing it intentionally, but right. the there are people who are going to suffer because of it. And it 
has nothing to do with their say, uh, sales skills. Right. Yeah, I think the I think your point about documenting the plan clearly um, and I think reducing the the amount of just sort of discretionary things that can happen right and I think geographic territories or, or territories in general can be a tool where this this does crop up right because you can you know like so and so can get assigned to this territory and that uh, that decision could be you know based on well, they're a really good quote unquote culture fit, right? Um, and I think they've got a ton of potential and, and there's a lot of sort of implicit bias that, that might go into a decision around that, even if it's not intentional, right? So um, yeah, I, I, think that, uh, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And especially for you know, a very early stage company where you're trying to figure things out, you might think, well, you know, we're just all kind of scrambling to figure it out. Let's not worry too much about like, defining this it's going to change anyway but by doing that you're not really being flexible you're you're probably creating a situation where people uh are are not able to be uh, successful that has nothing to do with like you said their their sales skills so it seems like something to, to really watch out for um yeah and, and the explanation on the on the to the person who comes in and says you know oh like it, it would, it really sucks losing somebody because you offer them a hundred thousand dollar on target earnings and they need a hundred and five thousand dollar on target earnings. Right. Like that really sucks. But that person who's unwilling, who who doesn't understand that and is unwilling to buy into the equality and and uh, transparency model probably mm -hmm. isn't a good hire for you. Anyway. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's. Uh... Let's end on that note. I really appreciate the time, Graham. Uh, do you have anything, uh, you know, just to, to share with the audience? Any any shout outs for Quotapath? Anything like that? Yeah. I mean, as always, check out Quotapath. We have the freemium version. People can sign up, track their commissions. Um, additionally, I do offer comp plan consult calls for anybody who's, who's interested. If you want to just have me just tear up your, your comp plan, I'm happy to do that. Or if you just need a couple of tweaks or, or need another set of eyes, happy to do that. Um, it's on our website on quotapath.com uh, and there's a in the resources section it says comp plan it doesn't say comp plan console I think it says like comp plan review or, or comp plan strategy consult. session it's alliterative it sounds better you should you should rename it I know I know I'll, I'll, I'll put that in the in, yeah, in our marketers here it's going to cause growth to skyrocket in your head of growth so I should, uh, yeah. that's my yeah. gift to you at the end of this call is just to you know you. I appreciate help, you, help you do what you already know you should be doing <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Graham. Yeah, you got it. Thank you. Nice.